Hi, this is Migration Patterns, an interview show where we discuss the places we come from, where we live, and how we got there. I'm your host, Meredith Bratland. This week I speak with Piyush Patel, a radio personality, also known as DJ Gulzar, who you can hear on CJSR. He is from Mumbai, India, and came to Canada when he was 15. Piyush shares his experience and how the arts helped him during the first few difficult years of negotiating his Indian and Canadian identity. When you think of home? I think of the first thing I think of when I think of home is food. Yeah. And family comes next. And all the amazing time that I had spent uh, in my in my youth back in uh, Mumbai or Bombay. I, I still call it Bombay because I grew up calling it Bombay. And mostly food. I'm 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 a big I'm a big foodie, so the, the food is the first thing that comes to mind when I think back to Bombay. I moved here in 2002. I was 14 years old, and I'm I'm 30 years old right now. So I like to uh, I like to tell people that I'm half and half because I've spent almost half of my life in in India and uh, half of my life here in Canada, and. Yeah, so we came here in 2002, uh, my family, my mom, my dad, and my sister. And I started grade 10 here. I went to Harry Ainley, and that was a big culture shock. I uh, have, have a lot of stories which I find funny now in hindsight, but they weren't funny back then. And yeah, I went to Harry Ainley, and then I went to university for a few years, and here I am. Yeah, it's so, that, that sounds to me like sort of an unnerving experience. So when you came at 14, that's like a big crossroads of your life too. And here, starting grade 10, that's like the high school start. So I guess other students were starting fresh too, but you were starting super fresh. That's, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, because yeah. Um, yeah, it was a big, big culture shock. Yeah. And the thing is, I understood English because I went to like an English uh, language school back in Bombay. So like all my courses were in English, but I never spoke English with my friends or my family. The only time I spoke English was when I was talking to my teacher, which I mean, it doesn't happen very often. So my biggest problem when I came here was to get comfortable in speaking English especially when you're 14 when, I mean, every teenager is insecure and nervous about various aspects of life. And then when you have this language issue, which kind of trumps everything, in my opinion, because if you can't express yourself, everything else comes, you know, later. Like what, what that person thinks of you, that comes after you, like maybe make a conversation with them. So how did you tackle that experience? For me, it was, it was just listening to other people talk in, yeah. in school. Because like, even though, for example, if I did speak English back in Bombay, it would be very, the way I would speak would be very different 
than how uh, you know kids spoke English here. So in a way, you know, like now in hindsight, it was almost better that I learned how to speak English here, because then I I kind of learned the way English is spoken here. Like there's lots of small variations. So um, I just. Honestly, it was just practice and kind of getting out of my comfort zone because I was shy and I was afraid of making mistakes and making a fool of myself. So it was just getting over that that barrier, and I didn't like I didn't have any any TV shows or anything that that I could think of. But I mean, I I do love movies, even when I was in. In Bombay, I grew up watching a lot of Bollywood movies, uh, a few a few Western movies. So understanding was never an issue. Even I remember, even like British accents, uh, we like because India used to be like a British colony. Uh, it's strange. A lot of people actually do speak English with like this British accent because that's how they were taught. Because that's how quote unquote proper English is spoken. So even understanding accents wasn't a big problem. It's just speaking in English was was a big deal. It's it's hard work, and everyone has different dialects, and and getting your, your sounds weird. Like your tongue to move in those ways is a yeah. huge learning curve. I still have issues with like a, a certain a certain uh, words, like especially the V's and the W's. Oh. I remember, like, in this process to, like, make people not aware about the fact that I was from India, I would actually sit in front of a mirror and practice my my V's and W's because I'm, like, I want to sound perfect. Like, I don't want any accent. But, but my accent still kind of comes through every now and then. But back then, I was a lot more insecure about it because I was a little bit younger. But now, it is what it is. Yeah. That kind of leads me into um, my next question with um, when you said you'd be on the show, uh, you mentioned your Indo-Canadian identity and how that's kind of evolved. And uh, so do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? In the sense, I guess, of language and how you've come to terms in that sense. And what does that look like for you now? Right. So the best way I could describe if my journey, as it were, was it was a bit of a constant negotiation about where do I belong. Like I always used to picture like um, a spectrum with... Uh, India on the left and then Canada on the right and for the longest time I just wanted to be on either one of the sides because I wanted that feeling of knowing where I belong I wanted to feel that comfort that you get when you know where you belong so a lot of my friends like I used to talk about this with a few of my friends I didn't have a lot of friends in back in high school because what happened was I couldn't hang out with a lot of other Indian kids in my high school because they grew up here. The way they talk, the way they dress was different than how I used to 
dress. So I wasn't one of them. And at the same time, I couldn't hang out with other kids from India who had just immigrated because a lot of them had language problems to the point where they couldn't even understand English. So they're like, well, you understand English. You're pretty good at speaking English, too. You can't hang out with us. So I didn't really belong anywhere in high school. And that's why I didn't have a lot of friends back in high school. And going back to the spectrum, a few of my friends told me, you know, that's the beautiful part about Canada, that you can be in the middle of the spectrum somewhere. But at that point, I'm like, I'm like, I get what you're saying. But I was just so frustrated by that point. I just wanted to belong on either side. And then over the years, I think through some experiences, I've kind of, that perspective has made more sense now where I love being on that spectrum and not just on the, on the extreme. So I don't know if, the, I don't know if that really answers your question. Yeah. I certainly talked a little bit about it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really good. Yeah. I'm not super aware of like Desi culture. Mm-hmm. And so when I was looking through your Instagram feed, yeah, <laughs> I saw yeah. this hashtag of like being Desi. Yeah. So I urban dictionaried it. Yeah. And so is that kind of the in-between then of, of like the Indo- culture and the Canadian culture is is that what that is or could you explain that because I, w- I would love to yeah so yeah it's great that uh, you bring it up so the word itself it's uh, Desi okay. and what it means is from the homeland so it could be it could refer to a lot of different things because one of the things about India and the people of India is that they have moved to so many parts of the world and India itself is so so big that it could mean different parts of India like people might come from uh, you know Mumbai or Gujarat or even you know before 1947 India and Pakistan used to be the same country so even they see the word they see is is used by you know Pakistani uh, people Bangladeshi people it's a word that basically means from the homeland so like i'm from the this so uh it's a word that kind of means different things to a lot of people but it kind of embodies that that feeling of you know where are you from where well i'm desi which means i'm from that particular homeland so that's what I think I did somewhat, uh, I think, like, if you ask someone else what the word desi means, they might tell you something completely different because it means different things to to different people. And I like using that word because once I, once I say that, like, I don't have to explain myself. I feel like other desis would know what I mean when I use that as a, as a hashtag. That's fascinating. Thank so you. So <laughs> then would you like qualify it too? So it's like I'm Jesse um, from Mumbai? Yeah. Yeah? You could, oh, yeah. Because, okay. uh, uh, you know, chances are if you use that word, uh, the, the, the next question might be, oh, like, 
where are you from? Like, what is your what like the homeland that you you're referring to? What it like? What is your homeland? So then you could be like, oh, you know, I'm from Mumbai, or I'm from Gujarat, or I'm from, you know, Kerala, uh, or it could be. It doesn't have to be India at all. It could be Pakistan, uh, Bangladesh. A lot of uh, a lot of people who live in the West Indies, uh, like you know, Caribbean. They've adopted that word as well. So it's yeah, it's a very it's 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 a it's a word that means a lot to a lot of different people. Yeah. Have you maintained uh, a really close connection with your homeland culture since over the last fifteen years? You know, I was gonna say yes, and then you mentioned over the last fifteen years, and that's when I have to qualify that. That yes, it's actually a lot more more complicated. So it's been 15 years, like I mentioned earlier, and what happened was when I first came to Canada, I was trying really hard to assimilate to the Canadian culture, and back then, I thought the only way I could do that was to how should I describe this? was to kind of keep my my Indian culture at a distance so I could focus on this Canadian culture that I was trying so hard to adapt to. So my thinking was pretty black and white. Back then, given that, you know, I was 14, I was a teenager, I was going through all these other problems that that happened to you as a teenager. So... When I first came here, like for the first, I would say, four or five years, I stopped watching, you know, Bollywood movies. I stopped listening to Bollywood music. I wouldn't, like I have a big family back in India and, you know, my mom would always call them and they would always want to talk to me. But my Gujarati, like the language I speak at home is is Gujarati. Like my... Gujarati speaking skills were so bad that I was embarrassed to talk to them in Gujarati because I was worried about what they're going to think of me. So I would, I would, you know, sometimes not talk to my relatives back in India. I didn't, I didn't go back to India to visit until eight years. So I came, came, I came to Canada in 2002 and I didn't go back till 2010. Because I made up excuses. I'm like, I have school to worry about. I have university going on. And then even I remember whenever I, I, didn't, I, I didn't drive till like a year ago. So I used to take a lot of cabs. And every time I would get in a cab, uh, the taxi driver, if they happen to be, you know, of either Indian descent or... Uh, whatever they would be like oh so what part of India are you from and that used to actually annoy me because mm-hmm. I'm like how can they tell like I've been practicing my V's and W's you know my accent I like to think that it's not there how can they tell and that used to actually bother me mm-hmm. so that kind of gives you an idea as to like how uh, I don't know how to how to put it how uh, I wasn't I wasn't too happy being who I was. And any any reminder that I was from India used to actually bother me. But then 
over the years, I'm not quite like there wasn't like a switch that went off. Like I can't quite place myself in that timeline. But slowly, I stopped seeing things in black and white. Um, I want to say it happened around like 2014. I, I I can like pinpoint like a year because that was a year where like a lot of things happened in my in my life. I was doing a lot of self reflection, and yeah, over the years, you know, I like now I love actually one of the one of my favorite things to do is when I when I get into cabs is talk to taxi drivers about where are they from, talk about the food, talk about the music, and over the year over the last few years, I would say. I'm becoming more comfortable with, if you go back to the spectrum, being more on that spectrum somewhere. I really like that visual with the spectrum. Um, I think it, a lot of people would connect with that. Um, and two, like, from your experience, it sounds like it was conf- confusing, <laughs> like mm-hmm. confusing time in that, in that sense. And um, it also, your story also made me think of, um, oh, sorry, there was, um, oh, gosh. Sorry, I was just, like, really into your story. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah, I've been trying to read diversely this year. Mm -hmm. And um, I noticed around my third month in that I was really hungry, like, subconsciously hungry for stories that reflected my experience and I have this habit of, like, reading white feminist women. And I, I wasn't doing that, right? And so then I was like, oh, I'll just pick up this magazine, right? And then I had this aha moment where in literature and film and that sort of things, everybody wants to see their experience or some part of them reflected in it. And, like, the lack of diversity in some of these things um, is super problematic in that sense. And so... How did that play out for you? Like, in your year of reflection in 2014, did you kind of start to reconnect with literature and film and music? Definitely. Um, I was always into music ever since I grew up. In India, I used to listen to a lot of, you know, Bollywood music. But then the only exposure I had to Western music was, like, you know, Michael Jackson and... Uh, Backstreet Boys and all, all the you know the pop stuff, yeah. and then uh, I came here and what one of the one of the good things about not having a lot of friends back in high school was that I had a lot of time to myself, and I used to go I I went to Harry Ainley which is very close to Southgate Mall, and Southgate Mall used to have an HMV. And after school, I would always go there and spend a few hours browsing there, uh, browsing the store. And I was at a point where I actually knew that store better than some of the employees working there. I knew where everything was. So music was my first kind of passion. And then uh, books and like films were kind of like supplemented that. But I always look for that representation of my voice in, you know, music, uh, literature, films. I read a lot of uh, books that kind of deals with that diaspora uh, subject. Uh, Salman Rushdie, uh, he's one of my uh, one of my favorites. And uh, some of his words 
kind of stayed with me and they still do at this at this point and even uh you know in music it was hard for me to find my voice because i i listen to a lot of rock music and i mean it's getting better as as time goes by but i can probably name like like musicians who are the same skin color as me there's not a lot so music is something that I, i i still constantly look for you know representation but in films and um movies like i still watch a lot of uh bollywood films but also like directors like deepa mehta and amira nair they 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 tend to focus a little bit on that that more of that diaspora uh topic cool. yeah so films music and books have always been a huge part of my life i i tend to like things resonate with me like i will i will remember certain lines from from books because i'm like they're talking about me uh for example um Salman Rushdie he wrote a essay called Imaginary Homelands it's about uh him writing his most popular well second most popular book because imagine uh imaginary homelands is about him writing midnight children and he talks about how as immigrants like he uses a, he uses this analogy of sitting at a bar on a stool and how as immigrants sometimes we straddle two stools and he says that sometimes we often fall between those two stools so this idea of constantly negotiating your identity i found that was an amazing analogy cuz i find that that's what i'm doing all the time cuz i'm like do i sit on this stool or do i sit on this stool but really i should be kind of it's like a balancing act on both these stools if i don't know if that makes sense or not yeah totally okay yeah that's that's excellent all so right visual. yeah thank you <laughs> <laughs> so who are some of your like um you mentioned you listen to a lot of rock music mm-hmm. who are some of your favorites that you kind of identified with um so i listen to a lot of local like local music as well my favorite band would be this calgary band called women and they only released two albums and they kind of broke they they broke up and i could i could probably talk about this band for like 3 4 hours <laughs> but i'll leave it i'll leave it up to I'll, i'll leave it at that and i think not just the music also the time that that music came to my life yeah. I strongly believe that certain albums or music or bands come c- come to your life when you're going through some things, you know, when you're struggling with something or I I strongly believe that there is there I'm not sure how to uh, how to describe it, but there there are times where like I would try really hard getting into a band or an album and it wouldn't do anything for me. And then 2 years later I would revisit that band and something something speaks to me at that time because maybe it's something i'm going through in life or some experiences i had i can kind of relate to that so women would probably be my favorite canadian band what's the makeup of that band how many people are in it so there are five people in it wow two brothers and 
uh, actually one of the reasons what happened was they broke up, they released two albums, they broke up, and then one of the members, he was only 26, he passed away in his sleep. Oh my gosh. And that was a big blow to the band and the music community because uh, his name is uh, Chris Reimer, and he was not just for the band Women, but he he produced albums for a lot of other Calgary bands as well. So after his passing, you know, people were talking about maybe the band will get back together, but his passing away kind of marked the end to that that conversation. Hmm. Wow. And is that your 2014 album, Self-Reflection Year? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they released their album in 2010, but I discovered it a little bit later. Yeah. And yeah, 2014 is was a strange was a strange year for me and that's when i discovered a lot of the music that i that i fell in love with So the best way I can describe it is that the way I think about these dual identities is, has changed a lot. Uh, I tend not to put labels on things nowadays. So when I when I do a show on CJSR where I have the opportunity to play an hour worth of music and talk about it, I used to talk about how this is Canadian rock music and uh, this is world music because I also listen to a lot of like Turkish, Ethiopian, uh, Syrian, Lebanese music and I try to infuse that whenever I can in my show. So initially it was very black and white. It would be like, okay, half an hour of rock music and then half an hour of quote unquote world music. But lately what I've been doing is I've just been infusing everything. So I'll play I'll play a, a track from Calgary, a rock song, and then next thing I know, I'll be playing like Turkish protest music from the 70s. Cool. So that kind of that kind of that I think that's a good example of how I negotiate my Indo-Canadian identity is that it's it's just all a mix. Yeah. And I don't spend a lot of time figuring out what is Indian and what is Canadian. Even my Instagram account, I like, I like doing this thing where like I will post a lot of things about you know Indian food or Indian movies or films that I've been watching, and then my next post will be about 
American music or Canadian music just to kind of have this good, good mix of everything that I'm into. You're listening to Migration Patterns, a show about where we come from, where we live, and how we got there. This episode, I spoke with Piyush Patel, a radio personality in Edmonton. You can follow his radio show through his Facebook page, From Here We Go Sublime, on CJSR 88.5 FM. He has excellent taste in music, and you can find that at facebook.com slash FHWGS. You can find previous episodes of Migration Patterns online on iTunes and Google Play. There are two shows in March to look forward to, and then we're taking a short break starting in April. Our theme music is from Pottington Bear, and I sampled Black Rice by the band Women. Thanks for listening. Bye.